Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Wild Wild Will, where we go through all the Will Smith movies, break it down, go through his career, see what's going on. We're not posers, we decided to do this before the slap. The slap's just the dessert, baby. My name is Mark, we got Lily and Eric here. Hi guys. Hey. Oh, did you want me to say Yeah, sure. <laughs> Um, so we're, we're, we're early in. This is young Will Smith. Yeah. What was the movie? Well, uh, fuck that. Uh, this one's called <laughs> Six Degrees of Separation. We're recording this on 420. Oh, shit. You take it out of the Is there pot in this movie? No. No, no pot in this movie. Okay. Well, we got a young Will Smith in there. We got, um, that guy that always plays a rich person. Donald Sutherland. Sutherland. Donald yeah. Sutherland. We got a lady that I've never seen in my life. Yeah. But yes, you have. Yes, you have. No, I haven't. Yes, Soccer have. Channing. Who's who is fucking that? Rizzo? You asshole. That Rizzo. That's fucking that's Rizzo, Rizzo, bitch. God damn, that's Rizzo. That's Rizzo. She was sixty years old, but she played Rizzo. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Well, and I mean, I guess Oscar nominated for this movie. Mm-hmm. Oscar and Golden Globe. I want, more, I want more Rizzo, man. And like, if you want to take a step further, she was Tony nominated because she was in the, the play, play version. Oh, of damn. Also. Good. Good for her. And She's they good. said if she didn't agree to do the movie role of it, they wouldn't have made the movie. Oh, too bad she agreed. <laughs> Boy, too bad did she agree to do this. <laughs> this movie, I think I what I what I read, like 15 million or something to make six. Yeah, 15 million to make. Uh, made six point four million in the box office, a big old flopperoonie. And I was like expecting to go online and look at this mm-hmm. like on Rotten Tomatoes and be like, oh, oh, this is in the teens. No, it's this like is people really like this a movie. Po- positively reviewed movie. Yeah. Whew. Times have changed, huh? Have they, though? This I mean, I'm going to stop talking so you guys can. But I'm just saying this my first reaction to this is this was worse than any Tom Cruise movie we watched. This was my worst, probably the worst movie watching experience I've had because we did night cruise. That is dramatic. This was this was just awful. It was just awful. That I feel like that's like super dramatic. Generally, like the worst movie experience. Like, I think I didn't necessarily enjoy it, but like, I don't know. I feel like this is like. There's so many movies just like that, where there's like too wordy, like it's very like Wes Anderson feeling to me. And just like, I don't know, definitely I've seen much shittier movies. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the worst or worse than any of the Tom Cruise. I would say I have complicated feelings. It's I think it's kind of a fun movie to unpack in that way where there's a lot going on in this movie. Um, uh, but Mark, I, I can't believe you don't remember. We've seen this before. What? We've seen this? Like when we were children, little children. Why? Because we loved Will Smith. And no. so we saw this movie at the library in like a faded VHS cover. And we're like, oh, Will Smith's in it. And we'll rent it. And the reason I remember it, this exact scene I remember so much from being a kid, probably because it was just so hypersexual 
was the carriage ride scene where Will Smith oh. turns to the guy he's in the carriage with and says, what does he say? Have you ever fucked a man? Is that what yeah. he said? <laughs> Something like that. And then like, then I guess they had started having sex or maybe they just kissed. I forget. But um, I remember that stuck with me as that scene was playing out. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this part. <laughs> this is why did your mom let you rent that? And why the librarian let you rent that? I think it's a deceivingly a deceiving movie because nothing too crazy goes on until maybe the first sex scene where there's like a naked guy running around and then it's like okay now hey, it's you still like full on dick yeah so if your parents are starting this movie and just press play and then walk away to like go make your lunch or whatever that's, that's, why wouldn't they just be like this seems boring no, my, well no like why would I rent this for my kids it seems boring as fuck I mean Lily first off we're we're talking about nowadays where we have 300 channels on cable Netflix Hulu and all that stuff I mean when we were growing up it was like once a week we're heading to the library if we're feeling special we're going to Blockbuster and that, those were our movies for the entire week so mm-hmm. I think we watched every movie at the Chai Lai library regardless of its rating Really? Yeah. And but I'm surprised that because I don't remember watching this. I'm surprised that our mom let us watch this because she was always fine with violence. <laughs> like, I remember oh. watch. We'd watch like uh, what's a rated R movie. I don't think speed like Termi- rated R, but we Terminator. Speed. Oh, yeah. Speed Terminator. was rated R. We'd yeah. watch the ref. Yeah, the ref, <laughs> which was like some dark comedy. There was a lot of swearing in it. It was about mm-hmm. like divorce and stuff. We we watched that as like really young kids. Chucky. But, she was oh always God. super sensitive about sex. Like there's a yeah. Monty Python scene that involves sex and she turned it off on us. So I can't She's imagine had so many children. You think she'd be so cool, with es- sex. especially gay sex. That was that was life of Brian Mark with oh, life. Yeah, sex. there's that like sex. Yeah, she turned it off on us if she because there's a there's just a, uh, a dick in this. There's just a dude's yeah. dick in this. If my mom saw that, she would have. She would have never let it's us go to the library dick. again. It's a quick dick. But if she saw us seeing the dick, she would have That's had a problem. So bizarre to me. My parents are very like sh- strict about like ratings. Like when I was little, they did not let me go see Jurassic Park in theaters because they were like, I don't want to deal with this bitch in the middle of the night having a nightmare. Like, you know what I mean? Like they just were definitely not being like they were watching what I was watching, being like, this is too mature for you. It, it was it was. It was odd where they drew. The, like my dad didn't draw the line anywhere. He didn't. He didn't. He was wasn't not. He was not aware of what was going on around him. So. Um, but um, my mom, again, like violence seemed to be OK. Swearing seemed to be OK. Mm. Sex, not OK. That was like a thing that triggered her. But also albums, albums with the parental advisory on them was a problem with her. Yeah. And she even got pissed about two songs on the radio one was what if God was one of us? Great yeah. song. Because she's like, oh, it's making fun of God. <laughs> so is that which was like we weren't like, I don't know. I guess we went to church every week, but it, yeah. it, and I guess we went to church like Bible camp and stuff. And I had our communion and our I guess we were pretty religious when we were young. Yeah. So that really bothered her. And the Nelly Furtado Furtano song. Promiscuous girl or I'm, I'm like a bird. bird. I'm like a bird. Why? I don't know where Bro, my what? home is. I don't know where my soul is. And she's like, <laughs> oh, she doesn't know where her soul is. And I'm like, oh, what song was I thinking of? Seems I like I'm, I'm a, a bitch. bitch. Is that what you said? I'm a, oh, that's I'm a good. A I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. So she yeah. oddly religious, like weird religious overtones in our childhood. Apparently, that is so 
And everybody grew up to be an atheist, including her. So <laughs> that's really bizarre because like I feel like my parents were more strict about movies, but then like music, like I remember we had like the Jewel album, and there's one song where she says bitch in it. My mom was just like, You can't listen to song number four. And I was just like, Okay. Like my mom would like read through lyrics, but I definitely think we hit like a point where like she did not care if they swore in the songs anymore. It, she was just like, whatever, like, what are you going to do? It, what movies she cared for? It was bizarre because the album I had, like, like, let's say I had Limp Bizkit, Significant Other, like I had the CD. Mm-hmm. It was the edited version mm. of the entire album. Like it was the edited Limp Bizkit CD. But years before that, speaking of Will Smith, I had the cassette to Bad Boys, oh, which drops a ton of N words in it. like the n-word is said in it and it's and it's about like dicks and sucking them and yeah and it's it's like you know it's it's just filthy rap songs and that one she's okay with weird you know i will say i think that's the one thing i curse a lot to my children in front of my children like i don't give a shit i don't like censor music in front of them If a song drops an N-word, I fucking change it real fucking quick. Because I'm just like, you know what? I do not even need the mess of them trying to sing a song lyric and that falling out of their fucking mouths. Like, you know what I mean? It's like the only thing I censor because it's just like, you know what I mean? Like if my kid says fuck, you know, they shouldn't. I can like correct that. But like if my kid's like dropping racial slurs. And they're using it right. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's no... That's like so hard to correct. So I feel like that that's like insane to me that like you couldn't hear Limbiscuit say I'm going to break your fucking face tonight, mm-hmm. but you could definitely hear, hear bad boys. <laughs> yeah. So here's some raunchy bad boys. And J.J. Abrams is in this movie. Weird. Yeah, that was I, I want to say one thing, too. If you listen to our page, if you go on to the Patreon, so I'm for the Patreon because in our Tom Cruise episode, I believe we talk in Jerry Maguire that our parents showed us Jerry Maguire. And when the sex scene came on 15 minutes in where the dogs watching Tom Cruise and um, why am I forgetting her name? John's dad, dead, right? What's her name? Renee Zellweger. No, no, no he's he doesn't pork uh, her. The redhead. The, the uh, John dead. who passed away. Who? John Travolta's wife who passed away. Why am I forgetting? Oh, name? Kelly Rita. Preston. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. During their sex scene, uh, they turned off the movie immediately. But then I, I feel like later that night we watched all of the first Terminator. So bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted you guys to be murderers, not good yeah, lovers. The, we watched like Alien. <laughs> like go to hell you bitch <laughs> or i remember my mom yeah. explaining to me like the plot of rosemary's baby when i had pneumonia in the hospital <laughs> like delirious. already delirious gave a fever dream which <laughs> <laughs> is coming for you um yeah 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 but yes, J.J. Abrams, he did. So do you guys immediately notice him? Like, as soon as he showed up, I'm like, what the fuck? I just read it on Wikipedia, so I don't I don't uh, even remember him in this movie. You know what? Like, he looks so much like, um, I feel like there was other actors who looked just like him around that time. Like, I feel like that was like a look. Like, yeah. J.J. Abrams looks. So I feel like he looked like so many uh, curly haired white guys. So he's the kid of the doctor who's got the stress management banner above his like he's bed. The one, like yelling at his dad. He's like what? He was in your house. Oh, he was I screaming the whole time. And yeah, that was JJ Abrams, which, which is great because he does a six degrees of separation later in his career. 
Does he? Yeah, he does like a show or something, like a TV show, like he makes his own. Well, he makes Felicity, but he makes six degrees of separation. No. Yeah. Oh, my no, God. You're not no, no, like an no. idiot. He wrote Gone up. Fishing with Joe Pesci and um, Danny Glover. And he directed them. Um, Force Awakens. What are you guys doing over there? Yeah, it's um. Oh, that's the wrong name. Looking at. All right, Annie. Okay, you guys Cut this out. do what you need I'm to do. I'm gonna do my best to I'll explain. Look at mine. Well, this movie was actually a a play, and I don't know. I didn't see the play, but it seems like they just took the just the actual dialogue of the play and said that'll work for a movie like isn't the whole eric you're more you're you're more of a filmmaker than i am isn't the whole thing where it's like show don't tell right like show show shit in movies show shit happening and this is just fucking three people blabbing at each other the entire time yes there's a school of thought where it's like show don't tell but also the 90s and all throughout time, it's not just the 90s. There are films that love to have just people talking in rooms. I mean, Reservoir Dogs is around this time, if not a year earlier, and that's just people talking in rooms. Um, My Dinner with Andre is a lot of talking, just two guys talking over dinner for an entire movie. Uh, and I think it can be done well. But ah, this is why this movie is so complicated, because it has a lot of bait and switches where it starts off very wordy where you're like, Oh my God, this is like postmodernism where they're just talking in circles and you kind of have to be hip to what they're saying. And it's jumping around and flashbacks and this, but then by the like middle of the movie, you kind of get hip to what the movie's doing mm. and you kind of get on its wavelength. We're like, Oh, I see what mm. it's doing, but I can see how that can turn off a lot of people from the get go. And you're right. It feels like a play. Have you guys seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? I mean, now that's a fucking talkie movie. That's awesome. It's great. It's just guys talking <laughs> for the that's entire movie. Awesome. I've seen it's like the last thing I need in my life is just to hear more guys talking. I, I was just thinking like, okay, this is a, I ju- maybe it's just because it's a play and everybody's read it or seen it in, in high school. I was like, oh, maybe it's kind of like death of a salesman. Mm. Like the, uh, yeah. Who, who did it? Hoffman. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman did it right, and they did it all in one shot. Wasn't that the whole thing with that I movie? So. I haven't seen it. They almost did it like a play, and I was like, "Oh, this is good." Except like Dustin Hoffman was like really amazing in it, and it was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I could like listen just to him talk in this like Jewish accent for forever." And Do- and-, and Death of the Salesman is just like great, a very good play. Generally speaking, I feel like I would find this play to be boring if I watched it on stage. Um, or maybe pretentious is more the correct word. Also, I just want to uh, clarify something. Six Degrees is an American serial drama television series about six residents of New York City and their respective relationships and connections with one another. And guess who executive produced it? J.J. Abrams, wow. 2006. So is is it a playoff this movie or it just has the same yeah. it has the same name that's a no, quint? Yeah, it's like uh you know like West Side Story. Okay. So what this movie is <laughs> about. You want me to break it down real quick? I would love to see you try because I don't know how well you followed it. It's pretty easy, but let's what, what I got. So you got 
got this couple rich couple, but not too rich, not six million dollars rich, whatever the fuck they kept on saying. Was there two million? Oh, two million, two million dollars. It's like they're like art collectors or art buyers, traders. I don't know. Fucking know. Um, And that's how they make money. But they're they're rich and they live in New York City and uh, they um, uh, in their house randomly, this guy named Paul. Will Smith is a young boy. He comes in the house. And he's like bleeding. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, I don't know. What was it like? He got mugged or some shit, yeah. something like that. And he's like, uh, I, I got mugged. But also, just so you guys know, I am also um, friends of your of your children who are in Harvard. And he like he has all this info on their children. He's like, I'm, I'm friends with them. Help me help me with my wound. And he's, he's like very charming. And he's like. He he's he's they're on the same level. They're vibing together because he's saying like rich people shit and making references that are pretentious and obnoxious and everything. And he's really like schmoozing with them. And they're with the like the, the rich guy that they keep on referencing. Right. Where they're like two million dollar guy or some shit. Mm-hmm. And they're supposed to go out to dinner. Will Smith's character, Paul's like, I'm going to cook you dinner. And he cooks some dinner and he wines and dines them and but he doesn't eat i don't fucking know and so he's but they're like they're like falling in love with this kid right yeah this guy this kid's great um and they're like you sleep here paul you sleep here and he's like i will sleep here and so he's sleeping there and what do they hear a noise or some shit or they go oh no no he has to like catch a bus or something no he has to go check in at his hotel whatever yeah and in the morning and it's they're like oh my god it's almost seven and they're like paul paul and they open the door and he's fucking a white dude what the fuck white dude gets out of there but isn't he a little violent white dude yeah he's he's an asshole but i mean there's a strange there's some strange white cock in their house they're like what the fuck is happening they had a normal reaction the white guy did not so they kick Paul out and you start there's like flashbacks going on and you see that this Paul guy Will Smith's character is kind of like a con artist he's like practicing everything and learning everything about these people like mm-hmm. beforehand before he's going to go into the situation and then I don't know they're trying to like sell some big piece of art mm-hmm. to Japanese people or to the rich guy something like that it's almost like a which I know they're using one to upsell the other one. I don't know. They're trying to get a bunch of money out, out by selling something. So that's happening with them. But then Paul also meets up with a younger couple. They have rich parents, but they're not rich. And he ends up fucking that dude. Then um, uh, the, the the chick from Scrubs is upset <laughs> because her boyfriend Heather fucked Graham? Paul. Heather Graham. Yes. That's a weird thing that that's. <laughs> That's her claim to fame. That you, I watched a lot of Scrubs. Scrubs. <laughs> she, she had a long stretch on Scrubs. Did okay, she yeah, she had a few episodes. She was Zach Braff's girlfriend on there. Um, okay. and so he ends up getting money from those people, and he just ends. He's like kind of like weirdly infiltrating all these upper elite echelon people in new york city and they all have like stories about this paul guy that kind of did a similar thing where he's just like came into their house and had, was stabbed and and whatever and i don't know he ends up like getting money from them he's kind of a con artist it's based off of like an actual guy from the 80s mm-hmm. that did this shit and um 
they find out like, oh, six degrees separation, like everybody's kind of connected and it's all through Paul. The end. Mark, you missed a very, very important detail. He tells them that he's the son. Oh, yeah. Cindy Poitier, famous actor, famous director. He's going to make he's there because he's. They're making cats into a movie. Into yeah, a movie. they're making cats. Okay, that was pretty good. <laughs> Which is hilarious because Ian McKellen is eventually in the mm-hmm. movie Cats. Which is great. Full yeah. circle, man. Am I really missing a huge plot point? That was a huge plot point. Yes. Oh, okay. Then that's kind of part of this scam that he says it's yeah. like a famous black actor, right? And he's a famous black actor director who sadly actually passed away. Just this year, he at 90, he was 94 years old, but he's obviously Sidney Poitier is most famous for directing and acting and D director just acting. But guess who's coming to dinner, which I think is the funniest joke in this movie is as Will Smith is rallying off like, oh, my father directed this film, this film, this film, all these films that are obviously people know of them, but they're a little bit more obscure. But as soon as he says, guess who's coming to dinner, it just cuts the shot of all the white people being like, oh, guess who's coming to dinner? Like they fucking love that movie, which is about a black man showing up at the house of his parents who are white because he's dating a white girl. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's a black man. And so that movie was like talking about that where it's just like oh my gosh my daughter's dating a black man so anyways i thought that was a really funny joke that's all these white people are like oh yeah we know that movie as well, he's like I mean, and it comes up throughout the movie like oh my god the amount of just like rich racism in this movie where like they're cool with paul when like they decide they're cool with him and like he's worthy and they think he's connected to like a famous black person who can do something for them, but like so quickly it dissolves into them being like, that's black guy. And oh, like, you know what I mean? Like, oh my yeah. God, there's so many moments where I was like so violently uncomfortable in this movie. But, but I think the movie is obviously making fun of that. This oh, is a yeah. movie that's tone deaf to it. This is a movie that's like, look at all these fucking dummies, these elite people who are so obsessed with selling this paint $2 million and look at all these things. And then this person comes into their life that charms them. And then suddenly they find out, Oh, he wasn't who he said he was. And now they're like running around and their kids are screaming at them. And their kids are like, you guys aren't progressive. Like it just becomes them all like up their own asses about this situation. Yeah. And Mark, I know you were confused about like what they do selling their art, but it's like sort of important to the story. So they like, not that they're like, what they do is illegal but basically they sell and swap and trade art so that like museums don't get a hold of things so that like if you're getting divorced you can like hide a piece of your art so during your divorce filings um it's not claimed like it's not wholly illegal but it's definitely not on the up and up and the whole point is they don't have the money to put down so they always like con other people into putting money down, but then they make a substantial amount of the profits. So like the whole point is that he's a con artist, but like, so are they. And that like, you might not remember it, but like when he's first learning about all these people, uh, Anthony Michael Hall, he was like, Oh, are they rich? He was just like, "Mm, not really. Cause like, it's kind of fake their wealth. Like they're in these social circles, but it's not a hundred percent genuine because their wealth is all 
situated on who they can extract money from to do it. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have the pocket. And they're trying to extract money either from the Japanese people or Magneto, right? Uh, they're yeah, trying to get two million Gandalf. from Gandalf so that they can buy a piece and then sell that piece to the Japanese. Oh, damn. Six for 10 million. We got to see how many of these movies have a Lord of the Rings uh, character in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wise. So far. Yeah. Um, all right. So I also put down a note of when they're stitching him up from his wound, the scream that uh, Will Smith does is wild, and I think I have the scene. I was been looking at it in mute, so hopefully I have right where Will Sc- Smith screams. Let's see. Family together, wash area with water. Yes, I'm doing that. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> wild scream. Yeah, that was. <laughs> a wild fucking scream from Will Smith. So, uh. Here, here. Okay, let's talk about this because maybe this will actually cover a lot. Uh, what did you think of Will Smith? Because he's in a, he's not like a co-star. He's like one of the main characters in this movie. He's through the whole fucking. The whole movie is is on his shoulders. Yeah, I think right. Like yeah. it's all about that character and and. I know what we talked about where what was where the day comes from. What the fuck was the outsider? Yeah, yeah where the tape takes you. Where the day takes you. We had talked about this idea. It's like he's the Fresh Prince. He has his rap career. It's very clean. It's very family oriented or not family oriented, but just like for the general public, he doesn't curse or anything. But what we talked about in that first film is that he's playing against type. He's like a kid on the street or whatever who's not Mr. Slick or anything like that. And then this being like one of his bigger starring roles, still young. 1993 he's playing like a full-bodied character in adult drama where they're swearing where it's very explicit and sexual and it's just like this is cool like he never had the weird growing pains he never had to do the five disney movies to then get to this bad boys it's like dude from the start was making interesting choices as an actor in terms of like the movies he was going to do well so he so he goes to He's doing Fresh Prince. He does Where the Day Takes You, and then he does Made in America, which is like a rom-com with Ted Danson and Whoopi Goldberg. And he's pretty much playing the Fresh Prince character, very goofy. And then he does this one, Six Degrees. And I do think it was a very calculated move, um, but it was also a hard one because they really had to take a risk on him. Because it's like, people are looking at him, they're like, this is like a super dramatic role. Like, why the fuck would we hire this goofball to be in this movie? Like, he, you know, he wasn't Will Smith yet. He was still the Fresh Prince. Do you want to cast the Fresh Prince in this kind of role? But um, they brought him in and, you know, they just kind of took like, and I don't think everybody was okay with that. Kind of just like took a leap of faith because he was so eager and he like, wanted it so badly that it's just like fuck i guess we have to like give it a go and like he's very charming he's like young at the time he's got a beautiful smile he's very charming but it was this was not like a in the bag for him like people had a lot of reservations putting him in a dramatic role because he has not cemented that for himself yet and i think that that's great that 
he wanted it. Like he was just like, no, like I, I've, if I want people to take me seriously, if I ever want to shed this fresh Prince persona and start making like real blockbuster movies, I'm going to have to take roles like this. And, um, I was like reading about how he even then was working on the movie star formula. And for him, the movie star formula is having a diverse portfolio. So like he didn't want to keep making like where he's the funny guy movies. Like, and they said, if you watch like his movies, you'll see that back to back, they're not typically super similar movies that he'll purposely not do a role if he feels like it was too similar to something he had just done previously, which I find interesting because I feel like you do have a lot of huge movie stars that once they find like their niche, they'll just groove in that forever. So, you know, the fact that he could have just like lived off of comedy roles, you know, he's doing the fresh prints. He could have just lived off comedy roles, but he was like, no, let me take on like this. Um, slightly controversial role you know what's kind of funny you keep saying the fresh prince and not to draw a huge connection but that's a movie or sorry a a story television show about a guy who's like walking two lines right where he's like in the upper crust family but he also has a more diverse background Mm -hmm. and so in this movie he plays both those things he's able to do the upper crust thing and i haven't watched fresh prince in a minute but i'm sure there's episodes where he like mockingly plays like okay they want me to pretend i'm rich and i'll do fake an accent or whatever just like dress the part and act the part but in this he does that too and he does it so well so in a weird way it is close to fresh prince obviously it's not like he's not going for big big laughs it's not like a strap comedy in that sense even though there's comedic elements but he has to play the upper crust person who swoons everyone charms them but then later you see he's down to earth and it's like oh cool he's still doing that duality which is really strong and cool i'll say this i feel like he does still read very green in this movie like i think he did like a fine performance but i feel like i feel like he found his groove more towards the middle but like in the beginning there is definitely something fake and like weird about it and contrived, um, which like, you know, part of it is like the story, but I do feel like I was like, oh. he would bring a different, he's a different actor now. I think like you could still tell he was kind of young, kind of green, maybe like a little too eager. I mean, this was like his first taste of a real dramatic acting, like, you know, working with voice coaches, doing like method acting. Um, should, I mean, bringing up Fresh Prince, I'm, I'm just thinking here uh, ahead. We got to do some Patreon episodes of Fresh Prince episodes. Right? Have, it's on HBO, dude. Like I have to watch him. a couple key episodes like yeah. that one where it's like he sees his dad. He's like, why didn't he want me? Yeah, oh, man, that still that. makes me cry. I'll watch on YouTube. I'll cry. <laughs> Just that one scene. That's yeah. heavy. It's good. <laughs> um, I think also we got to talk about the big thing in the room, too, is that he plays a gay character. Oh, yeah. Oh, and that, that white dick. Okay, so he plays a gay character and he talked to Denzel Washington about it beforehand. Like, should I do this? Like, he was like very nervous that people would think he's gay. Um, 
And Denzel Washington told him to take the role, but to not actually kiss Michael. uh, Michael Hall. Hall. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall in the movie. So that is a double kissing him. And Will Smith does say now that he regrets that, that it was immature of him to not just like do the kiss, which I think. I think that's nice that he can like look back and be like, that was a fucking childish thing to do. I mean, it was like 93, especially like in like the black community, like homophobia is like pretty large, but I can appreciate that as he looks back on it being like, like I'm an actor. That's like, not, you know, you shouldn't pull any guns. Like I should have just done it. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. It's 2022 and I don't want to kiss a guy. Like, I don't know if it's something don't take that role. If it's something you don't want to do, like, I don't feel comfortable doing this. Would you like force a lady to be like, you got to kiss that other lady. Get out that lady's mouth. No, but lady, don't take the role then. I guess like I I think as an actor, you probably do a bunch of shit. You don't really like want to do like you don't think you ever have to kiss a heterosexual actor that maybe you really don't fucking want to be kissing. Like most of these people are like married and kissing other people. Well, what about when ladies do body doubles for their boobs? Hmm? Don't take the role. Oh, yeah, you don't want to show your tatas. I think that's a little different. Is it? Yeah, I don't think it reeks of homophobia to not want to show your titties. I don't think it reeks of homophobia to say you don't want to kiss a guy. Can you do that in a heterosexual? Be like, I don't want to kiss that girl yeah, on screen. I'm married to this beautiful woman named Lily. Nobody I don't want to kiss. That. I don't want to kiss. Uh, uh, Sarah Michelle Geller. Okay, no? that's a very specific. Did Let's, she play uh, Batgirl? No, 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 she played <laughs> no, Buffy. She's Buffy the vampire. Who played Batgirl? Only she is Silverstone. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah um, you, I don't know, but you just don't do it lips. in <laughs> rubber lips. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he should have thought. He should have put rubber I'm lips saying, on. <laughs> you don't really hear about people doing that in the heterosexual. I know. Sense. I don't I don't fault him for I don't think it's, it was like, oh, Will Smith's a homophobe because he didn't kiss. It honestly guy. makes me look at you different. Why? Because I wouldn't kiss a guy on, on screen. Yeah. Or it just in general. I'm not attracted to guys. OK, but like, I don't think it's about being attracted. I like do you, you want me to smooch your ladies on screen. Okay, but I'm just saying, do you have to be attracted to your heterosexual co-star to smooch them? Or do you do it because you're a good actor? Maybe it's just because I'm not an actor, but I I probably wouldn't feel comfortable kissing anybody on screen. I think it's different for you to say you wouldn't feel ki- but comfortable I'm not an kissing actor, so. anybody on screen, but to like gender it feels like a little because again. Could you imagine like Chris Pratt was just like, I refuse to kiss any women on screen. People be like, cool, dude. We're not fucking hiring you for these roles then. Does he kiss people in movies? I don't even know. Anyways, but it's kind of interesting because you're bringing up the kiss. I mean, in a lot of the movies, he's naked in bed with other men. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't know there's more. I think it's awesome. Again. I'm going to spin this because I know we're just circling. I want to segue into, I think it's fucking awesome that a young actor, 1993 is like, yeah, I'll play a character who's also gay. That's cool that he went for it. And yeah, yeah, maybe there's behind the scenes turmoil or whatever. He's asking people, whatever, whatever, but that's still rad that he didn't give up the role or go. I'll only do this if it's a straight character or like, we got to change it that. It's like, no, the character is gay. And unless I miss something, obviously it's brought up in the movie and it's shown in the movie, but that's not the biggest, like, 
I'm glad they didn't make it like that's the biggest offense, right? That he's gay, which would have been so fucking problematic. Instead, yeah. it's just like, oh, he's a con man. Like they're more concerned that he took the fifty dollars. Like they're more, and they're like making sure the painting's okay. I'm glad they didn't like turn it into this thing where it's like, and he's gay. Oh, I think um, yeah, a hundred percent. I think what this what was nice about this movie was like it's like movies and shows like now, right now, where it's like being gay or being you know whether you're with a uh, male female whatever it's it, like um it, i guess the best show to put is like euphoria it's just like people are just in relationships yeah yeah right whether they're whether it's with a man or a woman or whatever and that's how this felt yeah. it was just yeah. like oh it's just this is who he wanted to have sex with and it really had nothing to do with the plot it was just was almost mm-hmm. yeah it's like a character point i think the only thing time that it really popped out is um I think it's much more jarring to find like a naked white male in your home than if it had been like a naked white female. You know what I mean? Like you'd be like, oh, I'm tossing this bitch out. But there is something more like primal and scary about just like this naked white dude just running around your fucking apartment. So I think it's the only time where like it mattered to the story arc at all because it did heighten the sense of danger, even honestly for himself. Well, they, the whole joke was like, he could have a gun on him, but he's butt ass oh, naked. Yeah. And then he th- threatens them and says, I have a knife on me. I don't know if he's referring to his penis, but I uh, so uh, th- this line was said and I and I took this note and I'm hoping um, I'm hoping you guys will be able to. Help me out here. I just wrote a line on it. Um, you know, I'm a Jew. Did somebody say that in this? Um, I, I mean, I didn't hear it, Mark. And I, feel, <laughs> okay. I don't know it. why that's one of your notes. <laughs> okay, we'll erase that. All right. I All mean, right. maybe, <laughs> but I don't. I don't know. Uh, so I, I, I kind of want to speak to the, the beginning of this movie because I, I, I kind of alluded to before that it almost had a postmodernism kind of start where people, and maybe I'm saying it's postmodernism, but it's just like, I don't understand rich people and how they speak and how they pontificate because it does start in this really weird, like you're in a flashback, they're talking at like a cocktail party or maybe someone's wedding or some shit. Yeah, it was a wedding. They're referring to the story of how Will Smith showed up and like conned them. And so they're going over it, but then it's cutting to the night, but how everyone's talking, like they don't speak like human beings. They speak like, they're like, oh, and Freud said this about the imagination. And didn't it, when I read, you know, Tolstoy and this and blah, blah. So they're speaking very, very elite. And at first it's so jarring because you're like, again, I say postmodernism because like Thomas Pynchon, like these people who would write in fucking riddles. And when you read it, you're like, damn, I really have to concentrate what I'm reading because Mm -hmm. they're not writing sentences to be understood right away. You have to really dissect them. Um, but I think that's one of the charms of the movie is that it starts off with all these people speaking of con men that we were talking about this or idea of conning. They're all talking about Tolstoy and Freud and the imagination. Oh, you know, my father said this in South Africa. They kept talking about South Africa and 
they're talking about all these upper crust things and very snooty and pretentious. But then as soon as they're con, they all divert to just like yelling and swearing and being like, took $50 from us. And like that, like pretentious upper crust stuff starts to go away, especially when they're interacting with their kids, when their kids are screaming at them. I mean, I love that one scene where the kids like, you let him wear my shirt. My neckline has grown since last time. Oh my God. Yeah. And he's just like so pissed about the fact that this like guy wore his shirt or like slept in his room or whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, all that like polite, proper manner stuff starts to fade away when they get like sucked into this vortex of this person who conned them who really didn't even do that much. Again, yeah, obviously had sex with someone in their house, lied, all that stuff, maybe took $50 or $200 or whatever he took from the individual families. But like, he didn't even take it though. They gave it to him. Or yeah, they gave it to him. So it wasn't he and he's always like, oh, yeah, I didn't you know, I drank a little wine. I used your electricity or whatever. I'll leave. You gave me the key to your home. He says it's a cop who like comes to one of the houses. So I I love that. It's like here are all these yeah pretentious people and they start to like crumble when this thing happens to them. And it just shows that they're like unable to like they're easily conned, even though they think they're the con artists. I don't know. I found that very interesting. Yeah, I think it was like I think what was great about it is like one, you just like love watching rich people get taken down a peg where it's just like you're so easily taken in. Because I think like the notion is like, oh, like you're wealthy. You have your shit together. Mm -hmm. Like you care so much more about your kids than other people because you make sure they send them to like these good schools. But like it was just so easy for him to come in and disrupt that status quo where it's like you actually don't have fucking money. Like you're living on borrowed money. Your kids all fucking hate you. Um, (laughs) You are so desperate for approval that you take in this rando that you've never met. As long as he sends you fancy jam the next day, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. like, it also like the parents think like they're so woke like, yeah. oh, we'll let this black man in that we've never met because, you know, we're woke. And like they're asking him, like, what's it like being black in America? Like they're, mm. you know, like so many of us do where you pretend like, you know, anything. But yet all he does is name one black actor. And she's like, that's my dad. And it's like. The, I, it I, know that black man. I know that black. It's like, the fu- of course, that's your dad, because all black people must be related like they don't even like stop to be like okay what are the fucking chances of that probably you know what i mean like even when they like found out they're like doesn't he have all daughters and it's like oh well you know i'm from like the first marriage and it's like it's so easy for them to like believe that lie and is it because he's black so like they just immediately believe the what they want to about those people and then it's like so easy to believe that he's like a degenerate so quickly and i just like i mean yeah it's like it's super pretentious the whole play but there is something very fun about just like how easy it is to like cause chaos in someone else's life it um i mean i'm coming from the perspective of hating this movie it was the worst movie we've done any podcast about and i hated every second of it um i was thinking it reminded me of like not to get too political here, but um, it, there's the whole thing where like uh, Donald Trump is like a poor person's version of a rich person, you know, where it's like, yeah, he's got a, a penthouse and with a gold toilet and I don't know, a stretch limousine and he goes to the grotto and shit. 
Um, this, the, the, though, what's the dialogue in this was like a poor person wrote it and trying to emulate what like rich people would be talking about. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that was purposeful. You think? I th- but it was just like, oh, this seems like somebody that's not rich trying to write what a rich character would say and do. I think rich people are just that awful. I don't think a rich person, like they were talking, I don't know. They this were is like, like based on like real shit. Like <clears throat> who Stockholm plays is based on like an actual New York socialite that this playwright knew who had an encounter with what's his name? Like David Hampton and like would retell this story at like parties and events. So this is like based on like an actual encounter with this David Hampton by a rich socialite. If if we're so we're kind of still in the beginning here, but um, there's the point where this couple they're about to go out to dinner, right? They get reservations. At, I think it was an Italian place with the rich guy that they're trying to do the whole deal, the two million dollar guy or whatever. And they're about to go to dinner, and then Will Smith's character, what's his name, Parker, Paul, Paul. Paul. Paul's like, don't go to dinner. I'll cook for you. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, yeah, that sounds like fun. We're going to have this stranger cook our shitty food for us. I don't know. It was just a thing where like, if I'm going out to dinner, I'm going out to dinner type of thing. Will Smith is not coming to my house and cooking for me. Like we are going out to dinner, regardless if a stranger that was just stabbed is in my house. I'm going out. I think it's supposed to show you like how boring their lives are mm-hmm. where like they're so easily taken in by his stories and his bullshit. Like at any point in the night, they should have been like, this is all fucking not real. But like, do they actually care if it's real or not? They're in it for the story of it all at some point. Right. They're in it to be in cats. Like these people are rich as fuck. And like they are all so hyped up on being extras in the movie version of cats. It's because at the end of the day, their lives are fucking boring. Their kids fucking hate them. Their careers are like half fucking fake. Like they're fucking bored and they're easily taken in by him. So if he's like, I'm going to cook you dinner. It's like, that's weird. That's an oddity. Let's do that because their norm is to constantly be going out for a dinner. The whole thing is like they're doing stuff that's out of the norm for them. They're doing something that's like spontaneous. So even if it comes off weird, like they're in it for the ride at that point. The whole whole joke is that they're looking for something to talk about at these like other socialite Mm -hmm. parties. So when they're at the wedding and they're just sitting around like, having cocktail hour now they can tell this story so it's like yeah i agree with what lily's saying the reason they're okay with that and just allowing this to happen it's because again it's that fake wokeness that did you see like how enamored they are when they're sitting down and will smith's talking about like imagination has been like tarnished and we gotta like imagination's a part of us and they're just like so enamored so charmed by him is they know then they can run to their other friends and be like oh my gosh we met Cindy Poitier's like son and he talked about imagination he cooked dinner for us and look how great we are so I, I agree with Lily it's like that sadness and I think isn't that like overall we'll have to talk about the ending because the ending's kind of like up for interpretation but I think that's at the end of the day kind of uh Rizzo's realization is kind of like oh fuck like her famous her famous spiel yeah and she kind of like walks off into the city and I don't know I think she's having that moment of 
clarity where it's like, oh, this is all bullshit. And like maybe this little tussle that we're going through actually like helped us not be such idiots for a second. Yeah. And also I think um not based on anything Eric just said, but <laughs> 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 bad segue. I think too what's important all of this is context. Like everything that happens in the apartment is when they're not second guessing him. And the reason they're not second guessing him because he put out that frame of like, I am so-and-so's son. So like it gave him like instant credibility because there was just like another rich person, a rich, famous person. But like if someone came to your apartment that sure, maybe your kids fucking knew, but just had some normal ass dad and was talking about imagination and how catcher in the rye like produces serial killers you would never ask him to stay the fucking night. The reason they even care what he has to say is because they think he's coming from like famous stock. So it also just shows like um, how important like status is to like what you're allowed to say. Cause the only reason that they take in anything he's saying is because of who they think he is. But if he was just like, if he was out by that fucking Husky statue in the park saying all this shit, it wouldn't be like, oh, wow, those are like the amazing musings of this super intelligent guy. You'd be like, oh, those are amus- the, those are the musings of a fucking crazy person. So like if you're rich, you can just babble on about fucking bullshit. You know what I mean? God, I forgot about the catcher in the rye thing. If I have to hear that spiel again, I'm going to blow my brains out. All of this movie was so awful. You know to, what? To, I kind of want I want to speak to two things. I want to speak to Mark's disdain of the movie. And I want to speak to what Lily's talking about. Will Smith being kind of green because you're right. The movie starts off so dialogue heavy and Will Smith has to kind of lead you through this apartment as he's like doing these long monologues and all that. At some points I would kind of like get bored. In fact, at the start of the movie, I'm just like, Oh no, is this the whole movie? This is going to be a fucking slog. Like just because the way they're talking about all this pretentious shit. And I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to sit through this, but every once in a while, Will Smith, I think the imagination, I keep bringing up that part of the monologue is, Oh, okay. I'm listening to him. He is actually charming me. He is actually doing like what this character is supposed to be doing. Um, But this started the movie it's a little bit like unapproachable where it is kind of digging at you and i couldn't see it as a play like if we went to like a theater performance of like really good actors delivering this and you kind of maybe get caught up in it but what i will say to the movie's credit i was very terrified this was gonna be the whole movie but i think the whole bait and switch is cut to after the first act wraps and we learn that will smith's a con artist now I'm laughing at everything because they're all fucking crazy people. J.J. Abrams is yelling at his father. The guy's talking about how his neck has grown at college. The other person's, you know, the one guy sleeps with Will Smith, even though he's in a relationship with his girlfriend. He's just like, oh, yeah, he was that cool. He's like that charming. Mm-hmm. He's like, wait, you slept with him? And I just thought like that comedy of errors, it kind of reminded me of like comedies from the 40s, a little bit of that where it's just not screwball because I think this movie is obviously more comedy drama, but there is those, I don't know, just funny things of like, here's the elite and here's all of them scrambling and like being petty and stuff. So I guess to speak to you, Mark, that beginning, did the beginning like totally fuck you up? Like, could you not yes. recover after that? Oh, that was rough. The beginning was, that it was, was a fucking bad rough. opening, yeah. 100%. It almost like because I think 
if I'm remembering it correctly, it started with them. It almost looked like a break in, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're but looking like just after the, the naked guy. But it was like the naked guy scene, yeah. just a, a, a flash forward or whatever. And then yeah. it rewound back. So it was like, oh, okay, this is what where this movie's going to go. Something interesting. And it wasn't even something fucking interesting. I don't know. Was Rizzo trying to have sex with gay Will Smith? Maybe. She seems like she was always giving him eyes in the whole thing. Well, she even calls like, out Donald Sutherland. She's like, you you weren't attracted to him either. Like, you, I don't know. She kind of like hints that they were like both sexually attracted to him. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think everything's like super sexually charged. And I think it's like meant to be like. Like he's shaking them all up. So like, yeah, you don't think like this, like super rich married bitch is probably in like a sexual rut or dry spell. So you have like this young handsome beautiful black man come into your apartment like who gives a fuck if he's gay if he's handsome he's handsome you know what i mean like it and he says weird shit to her he told her i like he's like i like when you watch me so like was that when he was washing the dishes or cooking uh it was just the two of them so maybe when he was washing the dishes but like he kind of like he kind of gives her a little bit of it. You know, he's like, it's, it gives me a thrill to be looked at, which I do think is also true for his character because the whole idea is he never steals from any of these people. He never really takes anything from them. So like, what does he want? What is he doing? Like, what's his fucking end game? And I think it's, he would like to move up the social ladder a little bit, but also there's got to just be some of it like he likes the attention. He likes being looked at. He likes captivating these people who would otherwise walk past him on the street and never give him the time of day. Like there's got to be like a power to that where like these super rich people where you're just like, huh, for an evening, I fucking spellbound you. And now every time you go to a motherfucking party, it's me on your mind. It's me mm-hmm. on your lips. Like there, you know, like there, there is something powerful about that. There is something sexy about that. So, you know, if you can't get someone off your mind, there's something kind of sexual happening. Yeah, for sure. And okay. So I'm about to make a weird connection to another movie. Have you guys seen Tarantino's the hateful eight? No, that's the one where it's like a bunch of like, bounty hunters it's a western and they're all like stuck in a log cabin during like a winter storm and one of them's like a killer or one of them's going to pick them all off so like they can't trust each other whatever it came out in the last five years maybe six years anyways samuel jackson plays a bounty hunter in that movie and it takes place in the old west where obviously racism and (laughs) prejudice was running rampant and at one point, he's like stuck out in the blizzard and a carriage comes by and he's let into the carriage to go uh, on the way to the cabin. So they let him take a ride because he's a bounty hunter. He's got some dead people that he has to claim for a bounty. Come to find out he has a letter in his pocket from Abraham Lincoln. And it's like legendary. It's like, yep, Abraham Lincoln, because I fought in the war. You know, I fought in the war. He wrote this letter to me to say how proud he was of me, blah, blah. And he shows it to all the white people. And they read it like, this is so incredible. That's so awesome. Good for you. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. You guys haven't seen it. It's a fake letter. 
Lincoln didn't fucking give him that letter, but it was the only way for him to get by, to get into carriages, to get into cabins. And even though he's like a bounty hunter with a profession, all this and a free man, he still needs like a little bit of a con to get by because just like we're talking about with six degrees of separation, as soon as he says he's the son of a famous actor that all white people know or whatever, the only black, you know, actor, director that all the people know of he's allowed into the apartment. So I think it's cool that they're tapping into that, that kind of like how you pass right in society and how you get by. And unfortunately, like in this, it's like showing a glaring error in our judgment. A lot of the times where it's like, yeah, you only let him in when he's related to wealth. Right. Yeah. So, um, well, even like, um, Anthony Michael Hall's character. So like, that's like a bizarro part where like, he just kind of like meets Paul on the street. I was like, come back to my apartment. And like, I mean, he read kind of predatory to me, if we're being Will honest. Smith or? No, Anthony or, Michael. Oh, oh yeah. He's just like, weird, yeah. I'll tell you stuff, but you have to take off a piece of clothing for everything I tell you. And he's like, wants to fuck him really bad. And so Paul like uses it to his advantage. Well, he's just like, I have to do this shit. I'm going to get something out of it. So he stays with them for like three months. And he learns all about these rich people and he like learns how to like put on the accent and how to like talk like rich people so that he can eventually like infiltrate it. And um, the thing is like Anthony Michael Hall's character is an asshole, Trent, because he's doing it all for like selfish reasons too. Cause he's just like, I want to like re-meet you, Paul. Like, I want to meet you in these social circles so that we can actually be together because God forbid that Trent just be with someone that he wants to be with. No, no, no. Like he needs to like meet him the right way. And he's like, you'll never not fit in again, Paul. Which is kind of weird because Paul, we never have any indication from Paul that Paul's like, I don't fucking fit in. We have never any indication from Paul that he even fucking wants to be with Anthony Michael Hall or if like, that's why he wants to go on. Like, this is not, she's all that where it's like, Oh, I gotta Will Smith's like, I gotta change myself so I can re-meet the love of my life. Like he's got like his own separate game that he's playing. You know what I mean? Like, he's just like, no, like I'm going to con you and think that I'm going to give you sex so that I can get something out of this situation. And then I'm going to move on to these other people and get whatever I want out of this situation. You know what I mean? And like the whole time, it's just like, it's white people think they're using Paul, but Paul's using them. Yeah. I know you, they had to stick to like the source material of this shitty play that only assholes went and watched. Um, but I think what, what this movie needed was something like actually interesting to happen. I don't know. I'm thinking of like other con people movies what what's like um what's what nicholas cage match matchstick man mm. right there's always just like the scene where what, what was it a matchstick man that he had the kid with him right it was a con artist but he was dealing with a kid and then the kid ends up being also a con artist right mm-hmm. and he's being conned he's like the mark in it type of thing he's the con artist being con like this movie needed something like that where it's just like why am i fucking watching this thing i I definitely wrote what the hell at the end of this movie because I feel like at the end of the day, like I can sit here and like analyze a bunch of the movie and like I can break it down and I can appreciate, you know, things from it. But like, I think at the end of the day, 
yeah, it was the movie like I'd never fucking watch again. I did at the end of the day. I was just like, what the fuck did I just watch? Um, I do think it lacked like that central thesis at the end where it's like, and this is what this movie is for. And I don't know if it's a fault with the premise or if maybe Will Smith wasn't as green of an actor yet. If those ending moments would have been so much more devastating and desperate that you would have gotten a much better sense of like, why the fucking hell Paul was doing any of this. Cause I think it's very hard to understand his motivation. Like, why are you going to these people's houses and just fucking with them? And I think it takes a lot of brain power to be like, Oh, it's like a power thing. And he likes being watched. And like, he just wants to be loved, but you are, it's tough. Cause it's a play originally. So you don't get any backstory on Paul to see like, why is he like this? Uh, what are his motivations? Like, was he scorned? Was he not loved? So I feel like there is, there is something missing. I, to like just bring it all together. I could definitely see this thing like in some black box theater, you know, minimal like like uh, sets and shit, yeah. and just these fucking five random people just talking to the audience. It just seems like they didn't do the work to translate it properly over to a movie. It just seemed like they grabbed what it was like. Oh, this is a play that works, mm. and then same just, guy, and we're just gonna same yeah. guy. The, the the screenplay was written by yeah same person so yeah it's like maybe this would have like been helpful if there was somebody to like go like it, this doesn't 100 percent work this way as a movie it is it is doing a lot to which i would often give credit for but the whole flashback recounting story you're in a story within a story the movie starting with something then rewinding can be fun in this i think it was just confusing so it took like a second to get my bearings with it. Here's what I'll say. I think Paul does have the breakdown when he's in the phone booth and he calls Rizzo and he's just like, I'll tell you my name, but you've got to help me. Like, and she's kind of like, well, why'd you do this? Like, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, I need to get ahead. Like, what else am I supposed to do? And I think that's very telling. Like, I know we don't get a lot of backstory from him, but he literally like bears his soul, tears in his eyes. And you kind of see like the real version of him just being like, they're saying like I love you to each other. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's yeah. That's a wild scene. Uh, like I love you. I want everlasting. Like when she goes, "Why do you do this?" He straight up goes, "I want everlasting friendship." Mm. And it's like it's that's sad. fucking wild. In so so here's the thing. I have uh, the normal thought and the high thought, and because it's four twenty, I'm gonna have my high thought right now. Hello. <laughs> uh, so. The normal thought is the end is Rizzo realizes like maybe her life isn't exactly what it's cracked up to be because her and her husband have like a falling out, right? Because he's mm -hmm. still obsessed with making the deal. And I think the deal with the painting might have fell through. And she's and she's just like, you care more about the painting and the deal than like life. I think she says something to that effect, maybe a little on the nose, but whatever. And then she wanders off and she's all like seeing the irony of the situation but here's the high thought so remember they kept showing her and maybe this isn't that high maybe this is obvious <laughs> they kept showing her so they're artists or they work in art galleries and someone's painting like god on the ceiling of that one place the Sistine right? chapel yeah 
Sistine oh, Chapel. I forgot about how they were high-fiving the Sistine Chapel. Mm-hmm. Yes. So look at that image. You're high-fiving the you know, the God's hand or whatever, but it's just a painting. It's a representation of God. It's not really truly God in a sense or whatever. And I think she's recognizing like the bullshit of it. We're selling paintings for $10 million, two million. Like, what the fuck is this shit, anyways? Like, not all of this is surface level bullshit. And like, I don't know. I think she's laughing at the fact it's like, oh yeah, I slapped hands with God, but that's not God. And just everyone having like the false self. So this well, is my well, high. Did, she, did you hear how she like said how they clean it? I feel like she was hundred percent calling that out. Cause she was like, they clean the Sistine chapel. So like this magnificent piece of work that's considered priceless with just fucking Q-tips and water. Yeah. That's all they clean it with. It's just Q-tips and water. So it's like, oh, this fucking priceless piece of art. And you had the supplies in your fucking bathroom to clean it with. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah, like it is bullshit. Also, let's get let's get um, we're going from your your high concept to uh, PCP uh, <laughs> meth, uh, <laughs> meth induced coma concept here. Uh, uh, we're going to a deeper level. Okay. All right, let's go. 420, baby. Um <laughs> The Sistine Chapel, that 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 image, right? It's like God and man. Mm-hmm. And they're like, there's like the fingers, like they're about to they're touch. about to touch. But if you look, they're not touching, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. God and man are never touching, mm-hmm. but they're touching God or thinking that they can touch God. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know what that means, but okay. that's that's uh, so the elite being rich, trying to reach thinking that you can hit, you can reach that level, yeah. while the rest of humanity cannot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think, think that um, she breaks it down pretty, pretty good at the end. So first I was like, where the fuck is this bitch going? And like, honestly, I'll do a follow up. I bet you she stays with her husband. She's not going anywhere. But anyways, <laughs> she straight up says, let's like, see the sequel. <laughs> she goes, how do you fit experiences into life, but not as an anecdote? And I think at the end, that's the thing. Like, for most of the movie, they're telling this story about this guy, Paul, because it's like this is like a hilarious story to tell in social circles. It's um a serial. So like every time you're at a social circle, it's like, what else is happening? It's like, oh, my God. Well, we found out our friends were getting scammed by him, too. It's like, oh, my goodness gracious. And it's like, well, what next? And like, it's what people want out of them. Like nobody wants the experience of it but they want to hear the details of it they want to hear the drama of it all and they're happy to give it because it's like they're closing two million dollar deals with it they wouldn't have been able to get more paintings from the japanese if they didn't tell the rest of the story but i think towards the end what we get is that our uh rizzo like has an affection for the kid especially when he finally calls and he's like more authentic where he's just like, I want friendship. And I, you know, I want a fucking job. Teach me how to do what you do. And I feel like she can relate to that. Cause she's kind of a con artist herself. And like her kids are fucking assholes. They don't like her. And this person's at least nice to her, you know, like at the end of the day, he didn't really cause much harm to them. He didn't really steal from them. I guess that one guy was kind of scary that he let into their house. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's kind of nice to her and listens to her and um, wants to talk to her. And I feel like she's 
towards the end, she's like, I don't want this to be like an anecdote to help us sell shit anymore. Yes. This yes. is a real person. He is now going to be like going to jail because yeah. he got a little too deep in his con and someone killed themselves over it. Like shit gets real quick. You know what I mean? Like how easily does she feel like any one of my weird art cons could have led someone to kill themselves? And I feel like um, she's got like more of a heart for him where it's like, he's not just an anecdote. This has been like a life changing experience where I saw myself in a new way. I saw my life in a new way and I'm never going to be the same again. And I don't want to just tell this story at parties for the fucking fun of it. Yeah, I think, too. I think this movie would work better now. I feel like someone could make this movie and like you fucking change the shit out of it and make it not quite like this, but this <laughs> would be better. Yeah. But like, okay, you could definitely convert this into like a good teen movie about social media where it's like the six degrees of separation. Like we're all fucking connected. Kind of like a 13 reasons why we're all connected you know, we're all right there from each other and like how much like social media can be like a facade and it can be fucking fake and you don't really get to know people and how it can like change stuff. And you get to the point where are you enjoying your vacation or are you on vacation to take pictures to post to social media? Because I feel like towards the end, this is kind of what it is for her. It's like, am I living my life to actually have experiences and to enjoy the Sistine Chapel and to enjoy art? Or am I living my life to be like, I fucking high fived God in the Sistine Chapel. And I let this man into my house and let him cook me dinner because I needed a good story to tell at a party, you know? And so like, I feel like it would resonate more now if, you know, told in a, a different way, a revision of it where are you actually out there enjoying your life or are you out there just trying to make a bunch of anecdotes to impress other people with? You know, here's the thing. I, this, the, with this shitty movie, um, talking about it, it's like, yeah, there's themes in there that's yeah. like, oh, that's interesting. And, but it's, I think it shows just how shitty of a fucking movie this is that there's like these interesting themes, right? Um, and it just is just a bad movie. Yeah. And it just doesn't do it properly. And it's just fucking all. It was just fucking off. I don't know how it has a positive, uh, positive reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. I think um, I'm, I'm not going to fault you, Mark. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, you got to like this movie or whatever, because I'm I'm not going to watch it again. I'm only going to watch it the two times I watched it when I was six. And this time, <laughs> um, um but do you guys want to hear my fentanyl theory? <laughs> oh, get oh, yeah, get into yeah. it. He's not peyote. He's got yeah. fentanyl injected into his asshole. Yeah, IV drip of heroin. Here we go. It's 420. We gotta get deep. Um, is Will Smith's character, Paul, is he supposed to represent like a religious figure? Is he kind of like Jesus showing up to the party, turning water into wine? And like now you write it down in the Bible to be like, oh, my God, this is the day that fucking Jesus showed up and we had a party. and It was insane. And I saw a miracle and it like shook me to my core because, again, this is my fentanyl theory. It has no basis reality. But he seems, you know, Lily, you speak of this like no background to him. He does seem like an ethereal character who's like part man, part God, like 
walking those two roads, right. Of the upper crust and also like where he came from. So I don't know, there, there's something interesting going there. And then Paul is obviously synonymous with like religious figures in the Bible. He doesn't have a last name. I, I don't know. There's something maybe, and the, obviously the Sistine Chapel is like referencing this. So I'm, I'm throwing that out there, but maybe that's the fentanyl, I, I mean, which by the way, fentanyl is an epidemic in America <laughs> and all oh over God, the world. Eric. And we got to, we got to look into it and get, we got to look into, we gotta it. Look into it. We're on it, Eric. We're on it. it. Um, I would say <laughs> yes. First off, I mean, yeah, I mean, Jesus was the original con artist. So oh, he yes. has a little stabby wound. Um, he has the stabby oh, wound. Oh, yeah, he does. Okay. <laughs> Paul, Paul was also, isn't Paul? Impossible. I mean, yeah. Lily, you're the one that, that went to much more Catholic school than I did. But mm-hmm. from what I understand, Paul is the one that like, I'll almost say um, ruined Christianity. <gasps> Because he's the he's the Paul's homeboy. The good apostle. Yeah, but he's the one like in his letters. Wasn't he the one that's like started the whole bullshit where it's like the Lord, right? Like using the term Lord okay. for which is like uh, a power dynamic, right? Where like there's like a Lord oh, that's over like a feudal system type of thing. So I would say Paul's the one that kind of turned Christianity from less of a like a hippy dippy type of thing into a more structured like oh like the man like mm-hmm. the lord you know the Paul's lord great. that's ruling over you Paul's great he um is also a con artist his See? name's Saul um but he changes it to Paul because the whole theory is like you can't you can't you can't ever go home you can't preach in your own backyard cuz everyone knows your fucking sins see here we go like you have to go out into the world to be a different person where nobody knows you look at that guys i think we're on to some yeah it all works i I guess if you're huffing jankum and you're shooting heroin into your eyeball yeah this movie has a lot of deep meaning (laughs) well good thing we did this on 420 this is the biggest problem with this movie because i'm with you there's a lot of um interesting themes I think a movie is the wrong vehicle. I do think a play makes more sense because the type of yeah. people who are going to see a play are fucking uptight. So they're like saying they're like, oh my God, I'm so brilliant. Um, I think a movie for this many layers and depth needs to be less words, more visual. You know what I mean? Show don't tell. Uh yeah, or just choose your words more carefully to show like a depth. Um also, like, you know, there's a problem with your movie and maybe your play when the thing that everyone remembers the most from it is a fucking made up drinking game. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. You know what I mean? Like, how fucking obnoxious is your movie that, like, sure, the critics like it, but common people, all they think of when they hear six degrees is six degrees of Kevin Bacon. So, like, that's a problem. You, who cares if you're trying to talk about all these deep, meaningful, impactful uh, ideas about the world? If at the end of the day, people are just like, holy shit, I'm only six people away from Kevin right. fucking Bacon. All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to wrap this up because both. Oh, no, Lily- we got other stuff we got to talk about. Well, all right, fine. Can we just do this as a nice uh, retrieve? Sure. Reprieve? Reprieve. Reprieve, yeah. not retrieve. Reprieve from this fucking shitty movie that we got to talk about. Lily and Lily knows a ton about pop culture. Okay. So I feel like she could do it. 
and Eric, you know, big old movie head, big head and big old movie head. Um, you guys do the six connections to Kevin Bacon or separation of Kevin Bacon for me. How am I connected to Kevin Bacon in six degrees or less? Well, you know what's hard? Come on. Is that you I'm famous. have to pick the right six people. What do you mean? Are you ready? That's yeah, in the movie. It. Like you have six degrees of connection to anybody in the world, yeah. but the tricky part is figuring out who those six are. Yeah. Fucking figure it out. Let's go. Um, Mark okay. Myra. Hey, I've interviewed a lot of famous people. I can people. connect you to the president pretty quickly. Can you? Yeah. Well, I'm asking for Kevin Bacon. So, okay. Um, Joe Biden. Yeah. How the fuck am I connected to Joe Biden? Okay. So, you know, Shane's wife and okay. her isn't like, in her family, like Louise Slaughter, uh, who then would know Chuck <laughs> Schumer. Chuck Schumer. Okay. Well, look so. at that. All right. Come on. Let's do it. Kevin All Bacon. Right. Here's I'm going to I kind of have to do it in real. Or should time. we do Will Smith? <laughs> no, no. Let's check Kevin Bacon. All right. All right, so, all right. You know, Dalton Castle. Dalton Castle, wrestler. the wrestler. Yep. Okay. He Dalton Castle knows David Arquette. David Arquette. Okay. So that's yeah. two, right? Or yeah. is that three? Do I count Mark, stop movies? fucking counting. Let Eric talk. All right, I'm at two. David Arquette was in Scream, which is a horror movie. Okay. All right, so who does he know from Scream? What's the connection? The connection is that Kevin Bacon is famous for starring in the first Friday the 13th and gets an arrow through his neck. Another horror <laughs> film. You have to have a better I feel like Friday, Lily's right? got this. Wait, are you are you finding a, uh, a website that does this for you? Oh, no. I, I guess I wouldn't that. be on that website. <laughs> That'd be kind of silly. Hey, um, I was so close, though. I was doing good. I think no. Hold on. But your connection was that scream in Friday the 13th. That's it. Like, no, that's like going. Oh, Mark Margate Bacon today. Kevin Bacon. OK. All no. right. Remember, I interviewed Gilbert Godfrey. What was uh, Gil- Aladdin, problem child. I like. I wish you would have told us to do this like ahead of. Oh, time. okay, fine. Okay, hold on, hold on. Yeah, we got this. Hang hold on. Hold the fuck on. We got this. I, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I think. I you think know what I- is? I don't know anything that Kevin Bacon said. He was in Hollow Man. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. I'm um, listening. <laughs> okay. I feel like you still could do Dalton Castle to David Arcat to Patricia okay. Arcat to Ethan Hawke, who, if you look, kind of looks like Kevin. Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was better. <laughs> Ethan, Ethan Hawke has at least a degree of separation from Kevin Bacon. Like they were at an award show together, right? Some shit like that. Yeah, um, like they probably fuck the same person, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I like Kira Sedgwick's probably like worked with someone who I met the His wife. I met the guy from the original Candyman. Does that do anything for anybody? Uh, oh, you meant uh, uh, you meant why am I forgetting his name? Todd, um, he's the he's the father of Will Smith's character. You met I mean, Sidney Poitier? No, no I don't know. The, 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 you, met Tony, the, you met Tony Todd from and, Candyman? And he's, I printed out a black and white picture of him and he signed it for me. Was that recently? Oh. No, this was 
years ago. Apparently he loves Rochester, but dude, he's awesome. He I came here fun. to do like, um, I don't know if it was for a week or two. He did like a fucking a Jiva play. That's awesome. Oh, Good that's and he just like hung out in Rochester. So maybe he does like Rochester. I mean, you've met like enough famous people that like, yeah, sure. There's here's the thing. I could get you there, but it's like, I don't know what famous people Kevin Bacon knows. Mark Hoppus. Yeah, I'm sure Kevin Bacon knows him for sure. But I don't know how Kevin Bacon knows these people. Uh, can I also bring up Mark was saying, you know, about six degrees of separation. It, it's a con artist movie. There should have been something more like maybe they had to steal a painting or maybe he's going to make out with the two million to give it some sort of engine or plot. But I, I do agree. Go back to Lily. This is obviously maybe this is what we're all saying. This is obviously a play a dramatic play where they're taking out any genre shit of like, got to do the ultimate heist or the ultimate con. And it's more about the drama and the comedy of errors of this religious figure, Paul showing up into the house. I'm going to stick with that. Go mad. Well, and I don't think Paul's trying to do anything malicious to anybody. I think Paul's out there trying to have like an experience. Like, you know, I don't think he wants that kid to kill himself. He just like, wanted to see if you wanted to fuck in a carriage yeah he never pressures anybody everybody is like goes along so like yeah i want that experience and whether they regret that experience afterwards is up for debate but i don't think he's ever out there trying to do anything like malicious to people right and inadvertently he gives rizzo her spiritual awakening and like i know that's kind of like tired and lame like the rich elite person learns what it is to be alive and like appreciate From a young him. black man who right. now is going to prison and nobody can find him. Right. So that's like, obviously we can cry until the cows come home, like how problematic that is, but that is narratively what they're trying to do. Whether you like cringe at it or not, it's like, she has an awakening. She realizes like the artifice of her life uh, and the con of her life. I mean, this is obviously was very on the nose symbolism, but they keep showing off that painting where one side's chaos and one side's like geometric shapes or whatever. And that's that's the movie, right? It's the the notion of like sometimes the geometric shapes is all like, oh, good evening. We're going to have dinner tonight and look how like civil we all are. And then the chaos of, oh, fuck you. And my son hates me and we're all fucking idiots and we're all scrambling over this guy who like got the better of us. So. That's what the movie was trying to do. Whether or not successful is up to debate. Um, but I mean, it, obviously it not those things in there. Right. Okay. We haven't gotten into it yet either. Um, so this is like Will Smith's first dramatic role. And he was very eager to please for this role. Like he really wanted to do it. Um, there was like a like a reading of it and the actors were like asking questions and Will Smith was like, why are you guys asking like such simple questions? And they're like, how that's how you fucking learn about your character, dumbass. And so it like taught him like, Oh, I should like ask questions like about my character. And he was very young, very green. And so he decided to do method acting for this, the con that is method acting. And he said he was like unbearable. Like he had him and his first wife, Cherie had gotten married in 92. They're married from 92, 95. And he's like, I've ruined like the first few months of our marriage because I was just like in character 
for like months at a time while we had like a newborn child. Oh, he's and, like, putting on his like white voice. Putting on his white voice. He's like, <laughs> yeah, putting on his shit. And he was just like, he said it was the last time he ever did method acting because he was just like, he said like, you know, he was green and like maybe he wasn't like skilled enough in an actor yet to like draw that line. And he, in his memoir, said that he felt so deeply in love with Rizzo during the making of this movie that like after the movie he like couldn't stop thinking about her and like wanted to be near her and he's just like what the living fuck is my problem and he said it is a direct reason why he stayed away from rom-coms for so long that he didn't want to have romances on screen because he's just like I felt like I was too immature to like create that line where it's like you're making out with someone on screen and then cut and he's like it's just like so hard like how do you like snatch yourself back from that didn't he pork margot robbie maybe where's where's the sign up list for falling in love with rizzo i don't even have to method act man i'm (laughs) getting give me a date more of a uh frenchie was that her name oh yeah yeah, there's frenchie frenchie the fat one the fat she wasn't fat. fat there's no fat. brush up brush up brush yeah they call her fat in the movie but she's like not at all all right i'm just going by her character okay. what's her no. name i forgot what her name is big big jaluga i'll say this i feel like it's really refreshing of will smith to say that because like all these actors act like it's not like hot and sexy but like how many of them all fucking end up like dating each other and so didn't he fuck um kravitz then absolutely not lenny no. <laughs> i wish he fucked me um lenny kravitz <laughs> he fucked lenny kravitz <laughs> in front of zoe <laughs> oh my god he made god. the right choice like, um, it's no, but- jan or marty <laughs> oh it's marty no, no, no Marty. No, actually, I did have a. I had a pretty big crush on Marty. Yeah, Marty's hot. Oh, she was like the she's whole pork. Her. She's pork. Yeah, of course. She's pork <laughs> in the marine. The marine. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, Marty's awesome. Yeah. He's great. I want to watch Crease, man. It's a good movie. I should watch that. Okay. Anyway, so back to Will. Oh, oh, you were talking I about. I feel Marty. like it's honest. Where it's like all these people are like, oh, it's not hot and sexy. It's actually very awkward. It's like so many people end up dating from these movies and it's like i can't imagine that anyone is like so talented that when you're looking at like a sex pot that you're just like and you're saying romantic things like if robert pattinson was like looking me in the eyes he'd be like i love you for eternity it's like yeah no one's that good of an actor that i'm not just like yeah oh like i feel like at least he's being honest where it's like I fell in love with her. It's like, yeah, I can totally see you're on sets with these people a lot. You're being vulnerable. Sure. I mean, it was unrequited, foolish on her end, but. Do you think she should have porked Will Smith? I mean, he was looking, he was beautiful at the time, right? So, yeah. Yeah. She missed out. She might have been married. Who knows? Um, Here's the thing about method acting, too. I know a lot of younger actors who do it and speaking to what you're talking about, Lily, it comes from a place of like deep insecurity. And if you're so green and you haven't been around, like you're now acting opposite Ian McKellen 
and I keep calling her Rizzo, whatever Rizzo and Donald Sutherland, like you might feel out of your fucking element a little bit. And you're like, how do I act across these legends of Hollywood? They've been in so many films. I'm just starting out. So to become a method actor is a way of maybe like, just like calming yourself. Cause you're like, if I just become so immersed in it, maybe something will stick and maybe my mind won't race like that. I'm unprepared coming to set And a lot of young actors do that. Um, and then later turn to regret it or not turn to regret it, but just realize like, Oh, it wasn't coming from a place of like, I want to be like a true actor, just coming from a place of like deep insecurity. Oh, so that's Jared Leto's problem. Okay. Yeah. I definitely <laughs> read an interview recently where whatever movie Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway are in and Jared Leto's like doing his method acting bullshit. Someone asked Anne Hathaway, like, oh, are you method acting? She's like, no, I go home and have two fucking children. Like, I don't have time for those games. When he was Joker, wasn't there something where he was playing pranks on people on set where he just like sending like hugs of his shit to people? (laughs) I want to say I could be wrong. It was like used condoms. I think method acting is bullshit. It's just like an excuse. Isn't it just like an excuse to have like bad behavior? And if someone calls you out on it, being like, like, oh, I'm method acting. It's like, no, you're being a fucking weirdo. Like, that's not method acting. It's not going to use condom to someone. Yeah. Like, you're just being an <laughs> asshole and you're using like this facade of, oh, I'm method acting. I wasn't screaming at the PA. I was method acting. I, I wasn't jerking off in the hallway. <laughs> I, was <method laughs> I was playing Hitler. Eric, correct me if I'm wrong. It is mostly men who pretend to method act. Also, the Joker doesn't come in condoms. <laughs> it's not even a trait of the Joker. Joker doesn't use fucking condoms, bitch. He's raw, yeah, dog, bitch. Yeah, his dick does not work. No, Joker, Joker's coming in you. <laughs> oh, my God. That's you better be at birth. Strap in. You better be at birth control. Joker is not pulling out. I think we just like un- uncovered something people don't talk about. <laughs> which which Batman Joker. villain? How bad? Batman villains come. <laughs> yeah. Penguin, no come. So, Joker, t- no, much. no. Penguin, he's rich enough where he's pulling out because he doesn't want some bimbo getting pregnant with his kid, and then he's gonna have to pay child support. Penguin only gets hard for birds. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Tim Burton's version. <laughs> <laughs> Danny DeVito with flippers. <laughs> Two Face, his dick doesn't work. But you're right, Lily. It's mostly I talked know. about with men. <laughs> Rubber dick. <laughs> Did you say two face mostly burnt? Um, it, it, it don't work. It's all burnt up. Only half of it, though. Um, <laughs> One ball works. But um, you're right. You, I think you often hear about it uh, from males or whatever. Like our greatest actresses are, you know, Meryl Streep's of the world. Like, I don't think they ever talk about necessarily. I could be wrong. I, I can look into it. You really but don't you know what's interesting? I think it was a famous, like, woman, act, not actor, but a woman professor who taught method acting to the likes of, like, Marlon Brando and all these people. So I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I she fucking canned that. Can look, hey, you big idiots. Can I... I know we're wrapping this up or yeah. I'm going to wrap this up, but um, um, I just want to say, so with Night Cruising, where we went through all Tom Cruise's movies, it took me, it took me probably halfway through where I was like, I, um, 
I got into that that Tom Cruise groove where I was like, oh, I like Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it. Maybe it was like Jerry Maguire really hit. Like I was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. fucking hell yeah, love Tom Cruise. Um, and then be you know realize fully realize like I'm a Super Saiyan fan of Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. I feel like Will Smith has a little bit of what the rocks got like i don't think i'm not and i'm not saying acting abilities i don't think the rock is a very good actor but the rock is probably one of the most like has to be like if you look at polls of shit has to have like an approval rating in the 90 percent like percent like people love the rock like what's there to not like about the rock right like yeah yeah he's just a very likable dude tom cruise is a little bit of a mutant like i'm going like late night panel like he's a little bit of a mystery, a little bit of a weirdo mm. type of shit. And I feel like Will Smith has a little has more of what The Rock has mm. where like just, just Will Smith is likable. Will Will Smith, the person is funny. Will Smith mm-hmm. is is you know, I want to hear stories from him. I'd love to. I don't know. Like if he had a show, I would just watch the Will Smith show. Like, hell, yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be great. And I don't know if I necessarily watch the Tom Cruise show. Mm. So I feel like already I've hated these last few movies that we've watched and I'm still going like, oh, I'm a Will Smith fan. So that's what I'm getting. The, the difference is Tom Cruise. It took me half of the fucking podcast to be like, oh, yeah, I'm I like Tom Cruise. This not, I just like Will Smith. You know, what? I feel like it's because Will Smith's hitting you from a lot of directions. Tom Cruise movie star. And also, like, I think if Tom Cruise did a and show, also a mutant, <laughs> but like, I think if Tom Cruise did a show, I'd be like, that's not Tom Cruise. It's Tom Cruise, the movie star, trying to do a show, you know, like if you try to do like a personal show, like I would just assume that he was still acting in that as we're like Will Smith. We've known him over the years, but we've known him over the years outside of movies. We're like, you know, Rapper. you say Will Smith. One of the first things I'm doing is singing one of his songs. You know, I grew up watching The Fresh Prince. And then also he's done just like a bunch of other shit where like, you know, you do have like the red table talks. You do have just like documentaries that he does like he's been very forthcoming about his um private life like his kids are like out there in the public so i feel like um tom cruise is more of just like uh like a hollywood mystery as were will smith you definitely feel like you know him so i feel like i'm not i'm not where you are but i'm saying i'm having a hard time distinguishing him in these movies like this movie oh like he's I can just say, always Will Smith yeah this movie it was hard for me to be like oh he did good acting this movie because like I don't really think he did because honestly I just saw Will Smith the whole movie and, and also he does and it hasn't happened yet but he does the ultimate like breaking of the fourth wall where like so he's in the movie Men in Black I don't even agent I don't know what agent he is is it Smith or is that no? That's that's Matrix. But he's in Men in Black. But he also has a song about Men in Black as the rapper Will Smith, yeah. who's in the movie. It's like a very you know break the fourth. You know, yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman doesn't have a song about how he's Capote. You know, there are a lot of <laughs> actors where you have like, um, Eric. Who do who the fuck do you like so much? Daniel Day Lewis. Right. right. He don't got no songs. We're like, you're not going to know a lot about his life because he wants you to go see his movie and you see his character. Will Smith is more of a brand, a celebrity, a brand where it's like, 
And he's learned how to like evolve with the times where it's like, no, you're going to know about my personal life. And that's why you're going to go to the movie. Like, you know what I mean? As opposed to uh, you're going to go to this movie because it seems interesting to you. I would totally watch or listen to a Capote song. I <laughs> am <wrong>. Capote. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when we had, all right, I, I'm not trying to shit on Philip Seymour Hoffman or Capote, the author. I don't know what he was. He but was his author, man. It was a little, it was, again, I've made this point before, I feel like, but it was a little much that we had two Capote movies in one year. Yeah. Remember we had two fucking Capote Spread them out by 15 years. We don't need two Capote movies. I didn't having two Fry Festival documentaries at once. Yeah. All right. There's only one thing. There's only one. If there's a Fry Festival, I'm there. But also, (laughs) there's only one thing that I watched two movies in one year, and that's Asteroids Hitting Earth. Deep Impact and Armageddon came out in like the same year. But two Capote movies. I'm just fucking learning about this asshole. All right. They were a year apart. You know what? Here's what I think it was, Mark. I think the first Capote came out with Philip Seymour Hoffman, which is 2005. And I bet that helped green light the second one. He's like, okay, Capote's yeah, back. Yeah, it's got time. legs. Capote's <laughs> back, people. <laughs> we got Capote fever here. <laughs> that's right. wild, but I think that's how it works. That's fucked up. All right, so here are my concluding thoughts on Six Degrees. I don't think it was a great acting role for Will Smith. And I don't think it was like a very good movie, but I think it was the right acting role for Will Smith because I think it is changing his vehicle where people are going because critics did like it. And if critics liked it, I bet you other directors liked it. Casting agents liked it and went, oh, this isn't just that funny Fresh Prince guy. This isn't just a dude making songs about moms. This isn't, you know, (laughs) this guy who's just wearing like super colorful, super 90 shit. I feel like for him within the Hollywood circle, whether me as an audience enjoyed this movie or not, it was a turning point for them where they're like, oh, okay, he's got layers. So kudos to him and like his agents and Denzel Washington for being like, you need to mix it up because you could just get stuck being the funny guy, which is a hard vehicle to ride if you want to be a huge superstar. You know what I mean? Like he's not like a, a Robin Williams or a Jim Carrey where he's it's- more like a Chris Pratt where he can be funny, but when action yeah, Probably like he's not like physically funny or like doing voices or like stuff like that. So I feel like it was very smart on someone's end where he showed he's willing to play against type. He's willing to play something that might be controversial, like a black gay man. And he's, you know, he's willing to go there for a part. Whether he was 100% successful yet in this role didn't matter. My concluding thoughts are when we did the previous podcast with Tom Cruise, we started in the early 80s. It took so long to just get to the 90s with Will Smith being a younger actor. We're already in the 90s. We've been in the 90s since the start of his career. We're at 93, which I find just very interesting that maybe to Mark's point, I'm not 
saying that he's not a brand because he's obviously is, but maybe he speaks more to us too, because we grew up with Will Smith and he was like the older teen when we were kids. And then when we were teens, he was like the young adult and now we're, you know, a young adults and he's an older adult. I don't know. He, you, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it's full yeah. 20. So my brain's freaking scrambled. Wait, so you're, you're on the PCP or whatever the fuck, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So he's very much to our generation. Like, right. He's the guy we, he's not, uh, who's the guy who directed, um, far and away. Oh, Howard. Ron Howard. Howard. Yeah. Ron Howard, where it's like, we didn't grow up with fucking, um, <laughs> to <Be> my- <laughs> yourself. I grew up with, Leave it to <laughs> Beaver with that. Anthony, Jesus Christ. Uh, Family what ties. Was, oh, no, no, no. He was on uh, Happy Days. Oh, funky Family. Yeah, oh, Happy no. Days. What was the other one? The Andy Griffith show. Oh, yeah. Andy Griffith. I grew up watching Andy Griffith show. Oh, yeah. Lily. If, if you don't know, Lily's 70 years old. I did. <laughs> I would watch it all the time. Yeah, I, I don't know it. if you forget, forgot that I, da- I, I dated and married a 70 year old. <laughs> I mean, they're simple stories. It was good. Okay. It, that was the show at the credits. They would always be walking with the fishing poles, right? The cops, right? He was a fucking pig. <laughs> what? Wait. ACAB, baby. <laughs> Wait, what? Like, there are oh. two cops. Andy There's a Griffith. stupid he cop. He was the sheriff of like a small town and um, the one fucking Barney stupid Fife one. Or whatever his name was. Oh, was, like okay. the dummy sheriff yeah he would get oh, locked in the yeah, yeah. in his and own May, cage who like lived with him and i'm gonna go fix his actual kid. have you seen the new spider-man eric no it may dies in it ant-man a- ant may <laughs> yeah ant-man dies in it <laughs> spread it around bar you just let out a spoiler to people who are listening nobody gives a fuck <laughs> they very scared. I mean, yeah. you're getting belligerent it's, you are it's 420 baby you're saying some crazy shit i'm not letting you eat another zebra cake like what a do to you um my takeaway is that i just i just really want to because i've never seen any of them I just want to crack into some bad boys. You've never oh, seen any of them. I've never seen. Any you of them. had the soundtrack, but you never watched. Never bad watched boys. the bad boys. Yeah. I think you're in for a treat. You, I, you're it's gonna... Michael Bay, right? It's oh like yeah, early Michael yeah, Bay, right? You're yeah. gonna enjoy. Them. All I remember from possibly it was either two or three because there's three of them, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, was critics upset? It was either Roper or Ebert. I don't even remember which one. <laughs> there's a moment they're like in South America or something. And they're like either on a helicopter or they're in a vehicle, but they're like dragging a safe behind them. It's like some fast and furious bullshit. And they're like in um, uh, a, like a, oh, they're called something. It's like a shanty town of, of South America. Like, okay. but they're called. Right. They're like those houses that are like built into mountains. Basically. Yeah. They're yeah. Like- but there, there's, there's something that it's called either way. This fucking thing is ripping these houses apart. So like humans homes, right? Yeah. In this movie and the, the good guys are doing it and they, they dismiss it by going like, uh, I don't know, like Martin goes like, like, uh, oh, my God, all those houses are getting ruined. Then Will Smith goes, don't worry, they're all drug dealers. And that's all I remember. It's just, that's how they dismiss away destroying an Listen entire to the village. Listen Mark, it's called Bad Boys. I don't know yeah, what you're confused about like, all these title. children all without Bad Boys. <laughs> 17 children dead. <laughs> Lily's I mean, right. They're bad I, like, it, like It could not be more in the title. Sure, they're the good guys, but they're Bad, bad Boys. boys. <laughs> they're bad 
they have little puppies. I, I just can't wait to get into that. I, I want to see Bad Boys. Same, dude. Bad Boys fucking rips both of them. I haven't seen the third one, so I'm excited about that. Came out a few I years ago. I can't imagine it's any good. I think it came out right before the pandemic. It was like the last movie in theaters before everything shut down. Really? That's um, but yeah, I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to Bad Boys. I, Lily, I mean, not to keep this going, we should have ended fucking 30 minutes ago before Mark starts saying all this crazy fucking shit. Um, crazy shit. Okay, I just you're amazed at all. So, Lily, do you look forward to like we're going into like action blockbuster sci-fi stuff, or does that? I I don't know how like I'm yeah I'm looking forward to all those movies like I've seen them all like Independence Day and Bad Boys is great oh my god I forgot um, Men in Black I almost feel like disoriented a little bit because I don't know like it feels like traditionally you'd think there'd be like a longer line of uh, crap that you haven't seen Mm-hmm. So it feels like weird to me that we're about to get into like the juggernaut part of his career. And Independence like, Day is really close. Yeah. Bad boys and Independence it. Day. Yeah. So it feels weird that we're about to get into like the juggernaut of his career. Um, you know, Tom Cruise is like weird because his were all like bangers, like right out the gate. But I feel like there were so many that I had never seen sprinkled in because he was a bit before our time, as where this was this was like our time so like this shit if we weren't seeing in theaters we were seeing it like on tv we were renting it like they were just like around more so i feel like i i feel discombobulated a little bit where i'm like why are we doing will smith what's our what's our fucking point in it all he threw it all off with the fucking slap so he threw me off with the slap favelas but yeah so i feel yeah i feel just like a little um thrown off but i think that'll be interesting to get to and i think um after reading that his whole that he's got a formula for how to be a star and its diversity that i'm very interested to see how long he sticks with that like how different are his roles like how different are his roles from movie to movie and Mm. does it play a part like in helping him or is the fact that he is like a new age celebrity play a part where you're like, he does let you in to like all the personal shit. Cause Tom Cruise didn't really let you into any of the personal shit. Good point. Right. Yeah. It feels oh. weird. feels weird. So bad boys. Bad boys is, is next. Coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash the gentleman's club. All of the night crews and podcasts are there. Also next month, I think it's May 24th. I might have the date wrong. Um, we will be going to the theaters to see the second Top Gun and then making a podcast directly after that filled with fucking spoilers. So many spoilers. And um, that will not be on the Patreon. That'll be one for everybody. Oh, really? Yeah. Any new Tom Cruise ones we do will be for everybody, but the entire Tom Cruise catalog. We should make people pay like 20 bucks to hear it. So if it's a total stinker, they don't have to go to the theaters to see it. That's right. We will be filming it at the theater. We'll be posting <laughs> that on the Patreon. <laughs> um, also, Mark, what? coming up, what do people need to buy? Rosa Rochester, uh, Friday, June 3rd. Guys, I can't wait. Megan Carter, Justin Brown, Steve. I forget his name, but he's from New Zealand. He's fucking hilarious. 
He's going to be there too. New Zealand Steve. New Zealand Steve's going to be there. We got a stacked lineup. There's going to be music, laughter, Guys, tears. Listen, I just want to say, just buy the fucking tickets. Mark is so un like. Listen, it's just me and you. Mark is unbearable to buy be the tickets because they're going to fucking sell out by next they, month. They will sell out. But I had to sit here and wait and watch him check the tickets every fucking night so the quicker we sell this out guys the easier my fucking life goes so just buy the goddamn well, ticket stand up show i bombed so fucking hard well you could, you could sell out the show he's still gonna check the tickets yeah i'll check those tickets for the rush <laughs> yeah <laughs> make sure they're still sell, sold out nobody returned them <laughs> i don't think that's how tickets work um and yeah that's it right oh eric do, anything you want to plug you know what? I'm good. I'm a, I'm just gonna say, um, if you get a chance, um, watch some Fresh Prince episodes, and oh, we got to do that for the Patreon. Okay, so Eric's edible hit real good right about now. <laughs> yeah. <at> Four twenty. <420. laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.